You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I would like to begin by calling in the spirits to be with us here today. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine, to all of those people who lived well and who died well, who bring all that is good and true and beautiful in the legacy of the past into our lives so that we can be made rich and wealthy on the experience of those who have gone before us. We call out to these ancestors, those who are ready, willing, and able to be ancestral helping spirits in this moment, to be with us to guide the living in doing what it is that we are here to do so that we can know where we need to be inspired, where we need to innovate, where it is that we need to do things that have never been done before because this is what our time is calling of us. And we ask these ancestors to also help us to, to temper our desires to create and to help us to remember those things which abide and how to cultivate and to uh, develop and move even deeper into those things which have served humanity from its beginning on this planet. And so we ask these ancestors to gather around us and reach even further into the dreaming to call out to our non-human ancestors to be with us here today, those of all the other uh, families, the families of the animals and the plants and the birds and the bugs, the families of elements, the families of the geography and spirits of the land. We call out to all of these energies to be with us as we come to a, a greater understanding that our ancestors are not only human. We are the most recent to show up here. But our ancestors go all the way back to the beginning of form. We call out to these ancestors to join with us here today and to help us to learn and thus to be the people that our time is calling us to be. So with these ancestors gathering around in all their many forms, let us reach down from our heads to our hearts, our hearts to our bellies and from our bellies let's reach all the way down down into the earth and take a moment in this day to stop and to give gratitude to the earth gratitude for all that has been in your life that has brought you to this moment gratitude for all that is and all that will be we give thanks to life for its beauty, its diversity, its rich, rich capacity to bring us the lessons that we need to become the men and women our lives are calling out for us to become. We give thanks to the earth for this miracle of life that we share. And we ask the earth to continue to be the teacher that it is. Help us understand how to bring our life force to bear on this planet in a way that is good for all living things. And so with this deep gratitude to the earth for this constant teaching, this constant lesson from the earth, we reach down through all the layers of the earth, sinking down into the darkness and the stillness, into the silence. And we call out to this energy 
to bring to us nourishment and restoration, to bring to us abundance, to bring to us replenishment and renewal, and bring to us the understanding of how these energies cycle through ourselves, through our day, how they cycle through life, and to help us to build things in life that restore and renew. And so we draw up the energy of the earth from the very center of the earth up through all the layers of the earth rising up into our body. And as we draw this energy into our body, let us use this energy to choose to be grounded, to anchor ourselves firmly in the center of the earth and to ground ourselves, to shape our boundaries, to protect our energy in a way that allows us to be mighty in doing what it is that we've come here to do and to keep our energy out of other people's business so that they can do what they've come here to do. We ask the energy of the earth to help us to understand this way of connecting with ourself, with our purpose, connecting with others. And as we draw in the energy of the earth, help us to create a sense of home and hearth and place and belonging that allows us both to take a stand for what we believe is right and true and yet to do so in a way that opens the door sets a place at the table from those who are very different than we are. And we invite these people in. May we use the energy of the earth to be more like the earth in its embracing of this great, great diversity. And let us draw the energy of the earth into our lives and bring in this wisdom of connection and interconnection and to let it expand through us until we truly understand the oneness of all things. And from this energy, may we take right relationship with ourself, right relationship with the environment, right relationship with others, right relationship with the spirit world. And as we draw this earth energy into our life, let it rise up through our belly to our heart and our heart to our mind and begin to rise out through the sky above our head and whatever weather it holds for you at this moment, out through the atmosphere and all the way out into the cosmos. And as our energy rises with this force of earth energy, let our energy dance and be danced with, with all this energy of the cosmos, all the great mysteries of the cosmos and the heavenly bodies. And let us reach, reach beyond to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name we know this energy, let us know ourself in it and it in us and draw this energy down. Drawing it down through all the layers of the sky, drawing into our lives this essence energy of blessing, drawing in protection, drawing in the energy of devotion and commitment and the ability to do what it is that we have come here to do through inspiration and innovation. We call in the energy that helps us to connect with all the wisdom of the cosmos and the benevolence of this energy and the beneficence of what is going on. Let us be strong in being the kind of people that spread blessing in all that we do. So as we draw the energy of the sky down from our heads to our hearts, our hearts to our belly and send it down into the center of the earth, let us open our inner awareness of our body to these two great lovers as they come together within us in this great whole. And we ask the energy of these two great lovers, this big love, to awaken the spirit of our heart so that it can come into play in our day. And we awaken it to be the true crucible of transformation that it is. And let it draw up the fiery passions of our belly, 
the deep, deep desires and longings that help us to understand why we are here and draw down the crystal clarity of the mind that helps us understand how we could do these things in the time that we are in. And we let these two energies come together in the heart where they can be unique and in relationship together and in that dynamic dance of that relationship. Let this third energy awaken. Let it be born there in your heart, awakening the memory in your heart of why you are here. What are the gifts that you are here to bring to the world? And as you begin to sense this energy, may you find in your human heart the courage that you need to do something today, large or small, to bring those gifts into manifestation in your life and in the world. And so with great gratitude, we give thanks to the heart, the earth, the sky, all the helping spirits that are gathering around. We have great, great gratitude for the immeasurable assistance that we have to do what we set out to do in each day. I'd also like to thank Shushma, Gina, Walter, David, and Last Mass Community, and all the listeners who have donated to the show since we were last on the air. If this show has been meaningful to you in any way, know that you are able to respond to that meaning in your heart just by simply donating to the show. It's very easy. You can go to whyshamanismnow.com, click the donate button or support button. You can donate any amount, large or small. Um, I really, really sincerely believe it is not outrageous for me to hope that around the globe we could have a thousand people that could donate five dollars. I'm not asking for anyone to donate 5000 But for each of you who are moved by the show, even if you're moved into frustration and irritation, to donate something that allows the show to grow. And if you can't donate financially, understand there are many, many ways that we give energy and support in the world. And uh, I ask you just simply to do that. Do something that helps the show to grow. Use what you're hearing in the show in your life. Wrestle with it. See if it works. If it doesn't work, send me questions. Um, Keep the show alive and relevant through this ongoing dialogue. And I just want to comment that while the whyshamanismnow.com site that has all the shows for going on six years now uh, available to download for free, the comments are off there just because of it's too much to manage. But they are available. You are available to comment on shows on Facebook, on the Facebook page for the show. And for those of you that just download the show on iTunes, it's good to know those other resources are there. So anyway, thank you, everyone. It is together that we keep the show alive and well, and I am deeply grateful for all the many things, large and small, that you do to help to keep the show um, useful to others. So um, we are live today. Oh, I'm sorry. We're not live today. (laughs) I got confused. (laughs) We are not live today. However... Um, I would welcome any questions about today's topic, which is shamanic ritual and ceremony, and in particular, to create social change. Um, And later on in the show, we will have guests, Lenore Norgard um, and Kent Dorsey, and they are also available for um, questions as well. So please feel free to email them after you've listened to the show. All right. So today we are talking about ritual and ceremony. So let's begin at the very, very beginning, even though I've done this before on other shows. Let's just start here. So first, let's start with the words. Okay. What do they mean and what could they mean? So generally, in the common use, 
ritual and ceremony are completely interchangeable in American English. Um, they were also being used interchangeably when people who spoke English, either American English or English English, were wandering about the world and colonizing people. And so the fact that we call um, a first-person ritual or ceremony a ritual or a ceremony does not necessarily um, accurate. But the point is the words get used interchangeably, so there we are. Okay, so some use the word ritual today, back in present time. Okay, so today some people use the word ritual to mean habitual or empty of deeper spiritual implications. Like my evening ritual before going to bed involves brushing my teeth and, you know, sticking my elbows in lemons or whatever. Okay, so the sense of just this, um, the repetition um, others use the word ceremony to mean just going through the motions um, that you have been taught without any deeper understanding or deeper spiritual implications. So in American English, both words have baggage. Both words can be used by people with a negative connotation. Ne- negative meaning no longer of value, empty of meaning. Um, so... If we want to start talking about these power tools in any shamanic practice, past, present, or future, we actually need to redeploy both words as valuable words because these events that shamanic people around the world have created and shamanic people around the world are now creating um, work in two different ways and it's important for us to understand that if we have any uh, inspiration to be creating new ritual and new ceremony and why would we do that you know who, who gives us the right well the need of our time creates the need for us to call forth new ritual and new ceremony to meet the new problems that we face there, there are many powerful and beautiful rituals and ceremonies around the world, and many of them are being shared with us. Um, uh, Peruvian shamanism, Nepalese shamanism, all these different kinds of shamanism from around the world. The rituals and ceremonies are being shared, and this is a beautiful thing. And because we have all the same problems humans used to have. And we've created new ones. And so shamans of the past didn't create rituals and ceremonies necessary for the problems of our time because they didn't ask the questions. Not that they couldn't, but they just didn't have the need to ask the question, how do we do this? And this is why I think it's important that we understand both ideas here. Okay. So the reason for this is that there are simply these two different types of events that shamans create. Uh, that both do have deeper spiritual implications and they don't necessarily look all that different from the outside looking in. So let me share. So in the beginning of my coming into shamanism, as you know, I won't go through the whole story because you've heard it a million times before on other shows, but I'm in Manhattan. I am confused. I'm terribly, terribly confused. And at a particular time, right after my initiation, I was going through phases of being really um, 
totally clear about what was going on and then sort of having meltdowns. It was like um, aftershocks from the initiation experience. And I was really struggling at a certain point because I felt things, knowings and understandings coming through, but it wasn't matching what I was reading and what I was being given by my human teachers. And I was very confused and really struggling with my ability to understand and interpret because basically my helping spirits were saying you're understanding this correctly but the books and the teachers were saying you're not so it was very confusing and I was I was uh, deeply emotionally distraught over this and so I went to an event in New York at a big huge hotel some gigantic it was a gigantic event put on by the Omega Institute in New York City so you know the context could not have been worse for anything actually important to have happened. But anyway, here we are. We're at, I mean, the event was lovely, but still a big, big, huge, like Marriott or something like that in the middle of the hat, Manhattan, please. But anyway, so the presenters were incredible. They did a great job. And this was the place where I first met um, Maladoma Somme in person. Um, I had already read his book on ritual about his own initiatory experience, and it and it had deeply moved me. It was the one thing that it was helping to clarify things for me. It was the closest connection or explanation for what I was receiving. And in many ways, I went to this event and I can't remember how I was able to go to this event. Somehow it got paid for for me. I don't really remember at the moment because I was sort of melting down at that time. But anyway, I'm at the event. I really, really, really want to do the part that Maladoma and his wife of the time, Sobonfu, Somme, were doing. This was very early on in his time here in the United States. And so I go to his little breakout experience. I'm just chuckling, thinking about the hotel and the breakout and this and that. But anyway, so we're in this and he's doing a presentation, the topic of which I ha- I don't even remember now. I mean, probably African shamanism. But anyway, he's doing his thing and then we're in this question phase. Now, at this point in time, because I'm melting down, I can't even articulate a question. All I know is what he's saying is resonating through me. It's resonating with my helping spirits. And I can't make heads or tails of tie in my shoe. And um, what happens is someone else asks him the question about the difference from his perspective between ritual and ceremony. And he gave the clearest answer to that question I have ever heard him give. And I've actually heard him give different answers to this question and they're different also in his books but at that time what he said was that they are both ways in which human beings engage with the invisible world to help us do what we feel we can no longer do ourselves so that's the same about ritual and ceremony and he said each one opens up essentially a vortex between the invisible world and the human world so spirit energy can come in and assist the people in what it is, whatever it is they're trying to do or the spirits of the land or you know whatever it is that is involved in the ritual or ceremony. And he said the difference is um, a vortex and from his perspective was kind of like a cone, like a, like a whirlwind, like a tornado, right? Um, And what he was saying is that when you conduct a powerful ritual, you are asking the spirits to help you to create change in the current situation because the status quo 
needs to be different. And he says that shape is like a tornado. And so where that touches down, it will destroy and create change. So this is a the positive act of destruction. So it's about calling in a change. You don't know how things are going to change and how it's going to play out, but you have to trust that the changes set in motion by the ritual will result in the intention of the ritual. Ceremony, on the other hand, he said, the the vortex, the whirlwind, is is upside down. So the tiny end is at the top in the spirit world and the big end is at the bottom. And that the purpose of ceremony is to create um, a healing change, but that is by restoring the status quo. So, so the issue, the difference between these two things was whether or not the status quo needs to be changed or whether people need to be restored to it. So in other words, the people have fallen away from the right way of being. And the ceremony is to reestablish, is to bring people back and reestablish them um, in the status quo, the values of the community. Now, of course, the tricky thing for ceremony is you actually need to have a community that has shared values for that to even begin to truly work, but I won't go there right now. So as he explained this and gave this very physical image that I could relate to of this tornado and then the upside-down tornado and the need to change the status quo and the need to reinforce the status quo, the functions of these rituals and ceremonies I'd been learning about and reading about began to make sense and that there are these two two things, two ways to accomplish the change that's needed, but we have to assess or diagnose correctly, does the status quo need to be changed or does does the status quo need to be restored? And that that's the distinction between ritual and ceremony. Now, okay, and then this brought me great peace and I actually really clarified after that. From that point on, no more meltdowns, no more falling apart. That answer really resonated as true for me. And that's what I've built my whole shamanic practice on. Now, that doesn't mean it's right. It just was clearly right for me. Because once I got that information, the whole periodic meltdown thing went away. And life moved on in a better way. So, this became how I decided to use these words, ritual and ceremony. Okay. Which you can see if you've read the encyclopedia. I'm not saying this is right. I'm just saying that we do need to understand that in shamanic ritual or ceremony, they, they are both of value. Neither one means empty. And that we need two words because there's two very different functions that were uh, two, very, two very different ways to accomplish our function. I guess I would say it that way. Okay. So the creation and use of ritual and ceremony has always been the center of the cycle teachings. For me, it was always what was different from the training I was receiving because I was being, simply being taught shamanic skills, which are valuable, but they were taught to me outside of any community with shared values and outside of any actual understanding of where we go from the healing practices into ritual and ceremony when we need to do more. So, for example, from a spirit world perspective, 
a lot of mental illness is not the person's problem. It is a community problem. And this is actually how I view mental illness in America. It's certainly our cultural problem. It is not the individual people who are mentally ill. They are the canaries in the mine shaft. So from the spirit world perspective, my work, my individual work with people that have diagnosed mental illness labels ends up becoming problematic primarily because from a spirit world perspective, dealing with this individual person one-on-one is utterly missing the point of the fundamental reason they are experiencing their symptoms that we label mental illness. That the fundamental reason an individual experiences symptoms we label as mental illness from a shamanic perspective is some illness in the community, in the, in the shared communal values. And that the community needs to be restored to its shared values so that the person manifesting the mental illness can stop needing to do that for the community. And it's, it's a different way of understanding mental illness, but if you actually have studied family systems therapy, it's not different at all when you think about the designated healer or the designated sort of problem maker in the family system. It's the same idea that someone is sort of acting out uh, for the system of the family. So the family can restore some higher level of values. Um, Okay, so kind of lost track where I was going with that. But basically, oh, right. So the reason that ritual and ceremony were important parts of what I was doing is because I found that after the healing techniques, I needed to be able to create ritual and ceremony effectively for my clients. And so the place that I've been most effective in being able to do that is really in the cycle teachings. And so creating ritual and ceremony for each group, each retreat as they go through the retreats and sometimes a ritual or ceremony for every single day is a huge part of the cycle teachings teachings is creating ritual in our life and creating ceremony in our life and understanding their use understanding how they work. And so for me, again, this is just my right, doesn't mean it's right for you, but the way I understand it is in the cycle teaching, we're using ritual to create change where the status quo, in other words, something like the person's standard set of belief systems that they operate out of need to change. And so we engage ritual. Could be fire, could be water, could be dance, could be Um, earth could be air. I mean, there are different kinds of rituals, um, but they're engaged to change that status quo. Whereas the ceremony that we use is about reinforcing status quo, or I would say more specifically, a new status quo. To reinforce a value system in the person's life and in our community of students around these teachings that... um, grounds and establishes a new set of values, a new set of beliefs, new principles, a way of living as a shamanic person in our contemporary time. And so it, it's reinforcing these new shared values. And, and so we use ritual and ceremony. Um, that's only one example, but we use them and learn the art of working with them throughout the four years by experiencing them. And then 
beginning with small steps, learning to journey about your own ritual and your own ceremony and practicing them, seeing if they work and, you know, working that way so that by the time you're done with the four years, you actually have some confidence and some aptitude for, or ability at least, to work with spirit to diagnose and create remedies for your contemporary life that involve um, transformational ritual and transformational ceremony. And so while they often look very much alike from the outside, it's important, the the simple thing, the way I think about it that, that keeps it simple is that with ritual, we never do the thing never do anything exactly the same way twice because we're really trying to get that tornado to touch down to precisely the changes that we're trying to do at this time. Now, that doesn't mean that our fire rituals don't largely look basically the same every time and don't look similar to every other fire ritual I've done with anybody else. But there are unique differences each time. Similarly, then, when we do ceremony, ceremony has a great deal to do with repetition and familiarity and repeating things again and again in the same way. So the invocation that I do at the beginning of the show could be considered a mini ceremony, a ceremony for opening the space for us to do this show so that we do it with the assistance of spirit. So it's a tiny little ceremony that I do at the beginning of every show so that this is truly a, an inspirited event. So those are kind of the, the, the basic ideas for me in how I use ritual and ceremony in my life and why it is such a huge part of the cycle teachings, which begin again this year in August. And registration is live on the lastmaskcenter.org website. Okay. So with all that said... What I'd like to do today is to talk about an example of a ritual that is happening real time um, here in California and in Oregon. And so to do that, I'm going to bring um, some guests on the show who will be conducting these public community rituals. So I would like to bring our guests into the conversation now. So please welcome Lenore Norgard of the Circle of Living Earth and Kent Dorsey of the Center of Shamanic Healing, both currently in the San Francisco Bay Area. So welcome, Lenore. Thank you, Christina. It's great to be here again. And welcome, Kent. Hello. Thanks for joining us. So Lenore and Kent are both shamanic healers and practitioners with decades of practice to draw from. And I've asked them to join us today to share an example of a shamanic ritual to be used for social healing, real time. In fact, it's so real time that if you can get to Oakland or Portland in early May, you will have an opportunity to join them. So Lenore and Kent, again, thank you for joining me today. Great so to let's be- first... Yeah, so let's first talk about what a conjure dance is. Okay, a conjure dance, um, as we learned this, is based out of New Orleans. It is based off of uh, a melting pot of many different spiritual traditions. It comes heavily from traditional African spirituality beginning with the Yoruba 
Uh, it also involved the Native Americans and just several different cultures, as New Orleans was quite cosmopolitan when the French had it, and it was it was just a very rich, juicy place. So this dates back some centuries in New Orleans. It's, I think, important. So as Kent was saying, there was the Spanish, the French, as well as the very heavily um, African-Caribbean influence and the Native cultures indigenous to the New Orleans area. All were parts of what came together to create this particular form. And so... So what inspired the people of that time to create this form? What what were they wanting to do? Well, this literally, the main goal, as we understand it, was to end slavery. Mm-hmm. That they were really dancing with the intention of freedom. Beautiful. And then it began to be used for other social issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how did... To, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, sorry. On... Then on to sometimes more personal issues, but it really is more about a healing for the community. So could you each share your stories about how you came to know about or to do the Conjure Dance? How did you learn about it? Um, I actually met uh, Martha Ward, I believe in 2004, um, she presented uh, the Conjure Dance to a, a council meeting of the Foundation for Shamanic Studies. And I actually uh, was able to be a fellow student with Martha in a couple of different uh, trainings. And she wrote a book uh, based off this. Martha is an anthropologist uh, that lived and lives and teaches in New Orleans and was very um, much participating in the local spiritual communities. And she learned it from the different houses there, the, whether it would, it's actually the voodoo community. And that was how I first was introduced and learned to do the dance. And Lenore? Yeah, for my part, I learned it initially from um, Irene Lowe and Robert Bailey, who studied extensively with Martha in the voodoo houses in New Orleans. And what's important when we say that phrase, voodoo house, you know, the word voodoo conjures up a lot of Hollywood imagery that's very, very, very inaccurate. Um, You know, voodoo is a legitimate spiritual tradition, and Voodoo house would be similar to like a Christian church or a shamanic circle. It's like a community where spirituality is practiced. And in regards to the conjure dance, the context in which the conjure dance would be practiced. And so Irene and Robert were very drawn to this work. And so they actually went there and studied extensively in the context where Martha had also studied. So I learned from them. Um, when they were teaching Sandra Ingerman and also did some work with Sandra Ingerman doing conjure dancing. So how do you think um, or do you feel that there's a function in, in 
in a public ritual like this beyond the actual intent of the ritual. You know, so we, we gather at this event to endeavor to accomplish this thing, for example, like the end of slavery, which is not an insignificant thing to accomplish. But is there more, do we gain more from coming together um, in public ritual? Well, we literally gain a community. And that's something that I'm finding I'm being drawn to more and more is creating community events community spiritual events, and I'm finding a real hunger for that here. Um, and I think that's that's the power. It's coming together as a group to do spiritual work really potentiates what can the power of a healing, the power of an intention. I also think that by coming together in collective rituals, whether they're commun- you know, community, semi-public, or actual public rituals, that through that act, we both um, re-knit the fabric of community itself, as well as our relationship with the spiritual world, not individual to spirit world, but community to spirit world, and so we are re-knitting or reweaving a fabric that's been so lost mm-hmm. in our culture. So I think, yes, there is the specific ten- intention of any given ritual, whether it's a conjure dance or some other community ritual. And as Kent said, and as you're um, talking about also, Christina, I believe, you know, we are recreating our natural relationship with one another and our natural relationship with the spirit world. Yeah. And, and establishing the, the relationship of community in, in that, you know, that it's, it's, it's perhaps not enough for it just be about me and my helping spirits. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. That if I actually would like to see the world, or at least humanity, in the world function differently, I I might need to actually do something with someone else in real time. (laughs) Yeah, and it actually gets at that whole Gandhian slogan that's so often quoted these days of being the change that you want to see. It's like, if you want community, then live in community. Be community. You know, you can't just Mm -hmm. talk about it. You have to do it. You have to enact it. If you want to reweave the split between um, humans and the natural world, then you have to live that. If you want to reweave that split between humans and the spirit world, then you have to reweave that. And ritual, as we know, is one of the most powerful ways to do that. But as you're saying, Christina, in community, it's not just a one-on-one phenomenon. Well, it's always been interesting to me – even in groups of shamanic practitioners or people studying shamanism, that, that when someone would talk about, well, we need to go do something, everyone's knee-jerk response was it had to be protest. It had to be that. That was like the only idea, even people that were versed in shamanic skills could imagine as some sort of activism. Mm-hmm. And not that protest is bad, but it's not our only option. And it accomplishes something very different if what we're looking for is to weave, you know, to reweave what has been set asunder in community. Right. Well, you know, I've for a long time been advocating transforming 
public political protest into public mass public healing mm-hmm. rituals. Well, we've talked about that before on your show. Yeah, and so for those of you that don't know that, you need to go to the site and Google Lenore, and you, I mean, not Google Lenore, search for Lenore, and you can see those, that show and another show on social activism as well. So, um, so go there and, and listen to Lenore talking about that, because this is hugely important if we're actually going to take our shamanism out of the classroom. Right. And and bring it to bear on our time, and and to show up as the shamanic people that our time is calling for us to be. You know, we we can't be the medicine we're meant to be if we simply stay, you know, together in class learning another healing form from another country. Uh, you know, we actually need to start to ask spirit for help. Like, how do we do this? You know, what do we need to create? How do we come together? So that's my little soapbox for the day. Oh, um, and how do we actually bring shamanism to bear on real life challenges? You Absolutely. know, not only our personal challenges, but our collective challenges. Exactly. Which yeah. gets to the film. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, um, have you, I mean, does either of you have a story from a conjure dance that you've done just to kind of, that you would want to share? That's, that's something that you've done so far. The original set of conjure dances that I participated in actually were all about helping New Orleans heal after Katrina. Oh, beautiful. Wow. And it was really, again, it wasn't fighting against anything. It was envisioning and dreaming what needed to happen to support the community there and then dancing for that intention. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the um, important thing I think about a conjure dance, you know, if, you, if we talk about the words for a minute, you know, to conjure means to bring into being. And as we know, dance and shamanism, it's not about performance. It's not about partying. It's about embodying spirit and, you know, bringing through that power. And so a conjure dance is about really connecting with particular spirits that are associated with this tradition in New Orleans, as well as the nature spirits where you're living and, and having the dance and, ex, you know, expressing the intention of the dance and then amplifying that intention and your request of the spirits to help you to manifest that intention. I'm sorry I interrupted, Kent. Please <laughs> No, that's perfect. Okay, so part of the reason we're doing this show right now is because you are actually holding public events where people can join you to do the Contra Dance. So why are you holding Contra Dances um, in May? Well, first I should say that we have decided to focus on the Oakland Dance, the one in the Bay Area on May 3rd, Saturday, May 3rd. And we're going to um, have the Portland dance at a later date. We decided to focus on this specific one. So that's one okay. thing I should be clear about. Um, but I'd like Kent to tell the story of how this particular dance came about because it was really his idea. Well, we are in a shamanic circle here that is specifically um, came together to support this American Ubuntu film that – Lenore has written and is trying to manifest. And 
this is about a multicultural community that is really, you know, we hear from so many shamanic elders that it's time that was an issue in our culture is that we're not dreaming the right dream. We're dreaming the wrong dream. And this is the American Ubuntu Collective is a multicultural group that is dreaming a new way of being. Uh, you mean the community in the film, right? The, com the community in the film, correct. And they, in a very practical way, use shamanism as one of the main spiritual roots of the community, but they also use it for the security of the place. And in the background of the film, um, they actually are performing a conjure dance to keep the watershed free. There's a company trying to privatize it. And they have an ongoing conjure dance um, to do that. And as we were journeying around how to support the film, it just it just came that we actually needed to do a conjure dance to manifest the film because the values of this film um, is the shift, are the shift hmm, that wants that I believe you know we need to move towards. And I'm just I'm really passionate about. This project is a way to actually communicate and reach a mass audience uh, that can really help people wake up and shift their values. So, so we've talked about the movie on the show, um, but Lenore, would you like to just give a little backtrack here a minute and just talk a little bit about Ubuntu itself and the movie? And then we'll come back to this piece that Ken's just brought up, which is the, um, you know, this, this doing a conjure dance for a movie that has a conjure dance for a movie for a film that in and of itself can be a ritual for social change. So we'll come back to that, but let's, let's back up a little bit and talk about the movie itself. Sure. Um, well, the title of the film is American Ubuntu and so immediately we have to say, what's Ubuntu? And Ubuntu is a Zulu word that expresses a very, very fundamental um, understanding, I believe, in shamanic practice that we've been talking about today on this show, which is about the collective. So the most simple translation of the word is, because we are, I am. And we can also say, because I am, we are. So it's really an expression that the individual and the collective are indivisible. And in the film, there is a community called Ubuntu, as Kent was talking about. And some of the key themes in the film are about um, dissolving some of the polarizations that have emerged in our contemporary uh, North America, U.S., uh, particularly racial healing, but also political division, and also uh, our relationship with the environment. So it, it, woven throughout the film are shamanic practices, um, the problems that people are encountering in the film, the shamanic practices are essential for resolving them and bringing healing both on a very personal level and the family that's highlighted in the film and also for the collective of the community and also ultimately for the country. So... Is that, do you want me to say more or is that? Oh, that's good. Getting at yeah. what you, yeah. And so 
I, I appreciate what you said about film as ritual. I think you said that, Christina. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I believe that very strongly as a filmmaker and a shamanic practitioner that we know that theater came out of ritual a very long time ago. And that theater was originally kind of a new form of ritual for pe- for a mass audience to be taken through a process. And more recently, you know, about a century ago, was the emergence of film that took that process onto the screen. And I really do believe that when people go to a movie theater as opposed to their iPhone and see a film together, that it still is a very powerful ritual for better and for worse, depending on what's being depicted on the screen. And that, as Kent said, this film, people watch this story together in the theater is a consciousness-shifting experience of what is our collective dream and shifting our collective dream to something much more in line with what we all share in terms of values, you know, getting back to the collective, getting back to our connection with the spirit world and with the natural world and, and solving things on a spiritual level, coming back into balance and harmony. And so it sounds to me like the film itself, particularly um, connecting back to shows we've done about the storyteller and the importance of the story, there's many levels on which this film being made matters. It's important. (laughs) That's my opinion Um, and obviously yours. Um, So let's talk then about how the conjure dance, not the one in the film, but the one that's going to be in Oakland, how the conjure dance is going to help that. And then maybe we can talk a little bit about what the day will be like. Sure. Do you want to? So we're, so a conjure dance is about manifesting something. And Kent, please join me in this. But it's like I mentioned yeah. earlier, it's about manifesting something with the help of the spirits. It's about communicating very strongly to them that we want their help in manifesting this. And so the dance that we'll be holding will be about manifesting this film. And we're, we're inviting the community at large. We're casting the net very wide to invite people to participate in this afternoon and evening. We will be, um, we're, we're creating a container where people who don't have shamanic experience can come in and participate on some level. And we'll have an afternoon workshop to prepare people that will include, um, content and exercises in the concept of Ubuntu as well as the conjure dance and then the evening conjure dance and a potluck meal. So Kent, do you want to say more about how the event supports the film? Well, as this is about bringing a community into being the intention for the film, we're not just handing it down to whoever comes saying you're going to dance for this part of the afternoon will be the collective coming up with the intention, and we know that the intelligence of the community is probably far surpasses myself and Lenore. So the dance begins with slapping the floor and stating your intention in three words. And then as you dance, you as we merge and embody the helping spirits, we are asking them 
we are honoring them, we are opening ourselves to them to be a vessel for them, and we are asking them to honor this intention and to empower this intention. So let me just jump in here for, for people that are new in shamanism. So this is this functionally, this is another use of this this same function, which would be to invite my helping spirit in with the intention of moving some healing energy, for example, to the client that I'm working on, to put it in that in that simple context. So this is not uh, a strange application of our relationship with our helping spirits, but it's very normal in in people's growing contemporary understanding of shamanism to embody your helping spirit with the intent to do something. And so this is doing this now in a in a circle, in a in a public context, in a community context, in a ritual context, versus the what I think is familiar for people, which is this one on one context. But it's the same idea just a different it's even in in some ways the same application because the whole point is to manifest your intention (laughs) but done together so different traditions i mean it's it really isn't any different than dancing a power animal on one level or the power dance out of the pacific northwest it's how this differs a bit is the degree to which uh, many of the dancers, particularly in New Orleans, particularly people with backgrounds in the traditional African religions, fully, wholly embody the spirits. It's it's a it's a matter of degree, mm-hmm. from merging and honoring a spirit that way to fully embodying the spirit. So if someone is totally new to shamanism but really excited by what you all are talking about and and wants to participate but that idea scares them, is that kind of person welcome to come to the event? They're absolutely welcome, Christina. We're going to be preparing the circle in the afternoon and taking plenty of time to do that and we will have uh, a number of different roles for people in the evening so that we don't expect everyone to be taking on the role of dancing in this ritual. We need people to hold other roles. And so it is fine and appropriate for anyone who's interested in this to come. We will create a container where there are appropriate roles for wherever people are, even if they're completely new to this. We actually have a circle here in Oakland and Berkeley that is working on the film, A Shamanic Circle. And we have a member of the circle who actually doesn't do shamanism, but he's a very spiritual person who's very um, passionate about the film project. And he will be there. You know, we have a place for him. And he's very clear that he will not be dancing, that he doesn't, you know, he's not ready for that. He doesn't have the background for that. So, yes. <laughs> Okay, so what about the other kind of person that might be listening where, um, you know, they're actually really very experienced in, um, let's say, core shamanism and they have a little shamanic healing practice and they teach classes and stuff. And 
how how would this event be for this kind of person? For me, it's always wonderful to be able to actually work uh, in a community. It goes back to the community. It works in the community. I mean, if someone is of a level where they can merge with a helping spirit, honor the helping spirit, communicate with the helping spirit, and then disengage from it at the end of the ceremony, um, that is the perfect person to dance. And it really is the same as merging or embodying your upper world teachers or power animals. Or a power dance. Or a power dance. Which is for your, you know, embodying very fully a, a compassionate spirit who's bringing through a song through you. It's similar to that. I think for people who are very experienced, it's a wonderful opportunity, whether you've ever done a conjure dance or not. If you've done a conjure dance before, you know how ecstatic that experience can be. And so you'll want to come. And if you haven't done it before, you'll want to come and see mm-hmm. and experience how that ecstasy and be a part of it. That's what I would say for people who are quite experienced. I, I love conjure, I love the conjure dance. Yeah. Part of this is that, you know, as the group is working, you know, the power that comes through is exponentially increased. It's each of the spirits bring an energy. Each of the spirits bring a connection to source on a different level. And it's this whole community performing the ritual together. The, the sum is greater than any of the parts. And that, that is why it works. I mean, the New Orleans community uses dance also to turn hurricanes. Right. Yeah, there are stories about how with Katrina that the hurricane was going to be a totally direct hit on New Orleans. And at the last minute, there was this wind that came. So it wasn't quite as direct as it was supposed to be. And there are people in the voodoo community in New Orleans who attribute that to conjure dances that were being performed precisely for that purpose. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's very exciting. So, so how would people join you? What do they need to do to join you? On is it still May third? On May third, May third. Yeah, it's May third from one to ten p.m. It'll be a very substantial offering. It will be uh, in Central Oakland, very central location. They can go onto my website, lenorenorgard.com, and they'll see a link conjure dance there and simply go on there and register and we'll send you the details i should say that uh, one of our hopes for this event is to um, not only cover our expenses for the event but to raise some funds for keep the film project going and so whatever proceeds there are beyond our overhead will go to the film there'll also be an opportunity for people who are so moved to contribute more we've kept the baseline registration fee very very low for such a substantial offering this kind of offering you know normally in this area might be 175 200 and we're we're only having people register at a rate of 47 dollars. so it's a great opportunity for people who are feeling the pinch of the economy to come into community and to support community um and to support the project so to register, just to repeat, people, you go to lenorenorgard.com, and there's a link there to Conjure Dance? Yes. Yeah. 
and then click click that and we we will also put a link um on the facebook page for the show connected to this show so that will help people get there um so is there anything else here at the end that either one of you feels we haven't said yet that needs to needs to be part of this conversation about this incredible offering it's just it's just beautiful what you're offering people and i would just encourage anybody who can get there to go and to have this opportunity to dance for something that has such bigger uh possible ramifications in the world or in our world in particular anything else well i would say that we've scheduled it in such a way that people really can come from a distance you know on a weekend because it doesn't start until 1 p.m saturday and it ends, you know, they'll have all day Sunday to get home. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, if there are people who don't live right in the Bay Area but want to come, we certainly welcome you. Kent, anything? Um, the only thing I have to really add to this is in I've been teaching and holding ceremonies, and I am finding so many people that are more interested in the community aspect, in the coming together in spiritual practice than in actually learning another healing method. And you know, that's what this is about, is creating a community. You know, We hope this is not a one-time event. We hope that we actually begin and found a community and we can dance for this repeatedly. Yeah, and along that line, as you know, Christina, we have this whole kind of Ubuntu, American Ubuntu village that grew out of our Kickstarter campaign a year and a half ago. So we are building on that. You know, there are hundreds of people who have been involved in one way or another so far with this project. We do have a village that we're building on. And to be able to come together in in our bodies and not virtually, <laughs> you know, but to come together in a room and to celebrate Ubuntu, that spirit, and to work together you know, in a community setting and to do a powerful ritual together. It's, it's really a precious thing these days. Well, Lenore and Kent, thank you both for offering this and, and all the rest who are part of the circle that are offering this in Oakland. It's a, it's a great opportunity. And thank you both for joining me today. Thanks so much. You're very welcome. It's, it's wonderful. And I want to give thanks to your ancestors, to yours, Kent, Lenore's, to those ancestors who brought through the conjure dance for people to begin, that we could also do it now, to the spirits that are behind American Ubuntu, and to the ancestors that have joined us here today, to the earth below and the sky above and the heart that unites it all. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Have a great week. <laughs>